This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A quiet night in with my cashmere socks on, a filthy bar of Turkish delight, and the greatest hits of Alanis Morissette. There are a million things I'm thankful for today, but what is my guest thankful for? And the one thing I'll say about my mother, which I love, she loves so openly, to the point where she's loved nearly all of my ex-boyfriends, more than maybe even me. And so when, like, there's a breakup, she's like, what did you do? Welcome to Thanks A Million. The voice you're hearing in your ear holes is mine, Angela Scanlon. And this is the show that takes a sneak peek at my guest's gratitude list to find out the people, places and things that have shaped their lives. And today it is this fabulous woman. Hello, I am Ashling B, today's entertaining guest, here to tickle your earbuds with my dulcet tones. Do you know I remember did you ever do this? When I was a kid, I I had radio shows and I remember you used to do all the voices and like take the adverts like, Mmm, Magnum, why don't you have one? Hello, welcome back to the radio <laughs> show and I'd pretend I'd do all the adverts of the different voices. The full shebang. The full shebang. Okay. And but even down to like I do a clearasil advert, I do like a government yeah. health warning like Please pay your taxes. Ashling is a comedian, an actress, an activist, writer and creator of the hit sitcom This Way Up for Channel 4, which I'm sure you've seen by now, and a whole bunch of other very funny stuff. She's also spoken and written beautifully about coping with the loss of her father, which you should hunt out for sure. But stay with us right now because we have a lot of laughs about the things Ashling B is thankful for. And we've got to get going because Nish Kumar is due around for a spot of lunch any minute now. Right, here we go. What's your relationship with gratitude? I would be very thankful generally. Yeah, I'm very aware of how of how lucky I am. I think it falls into being Irish. We go around going, oh, thanks, thanks a million, thanks a million, thanks a million, and, and sorry and thanks and sorry and thanks. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's worth remembering at times, especially when you get busy. I think it's one of the first things that goes because you can get resentful for your lack of time. And you go, God, I can't believe, can't believe I have to work today rather than being thankful for working. Mm-hmm. I think what's been the thing, and I think for women in general... We have to look at when we are thankful and grateful and that's a great state to be in and when you should know that too bloody right and they are lucky to have you and when you are worth it being there and you are of value and your voice is just as powerful and that um, to know your own worth Mm -hmm. and it is balancing the two of those because sometimes with being just thankful to be in the room can lead you to be just happy to be here Mm. and you're going no no be here and take over that room actually 
And I think that's where I try and find. Sometimes I err too much on the other one. I'm like, no, Ashing, you should have absolutely just been thankful to be there. Mm-hmm. And other times I'm like, oh, no, you you were of total value to that room. But even you know, you talk about the universe. You talk about, yes, yes, you talk yes, about yes, things yes. with a certainty that they are on their way yeah yeah I think it just helps maybe to try and that's a habit you have to keep at that every day yeah because um, you can talk about that once or twice but unless you keep up the habit then you're retraining your brain to be more positive and have a more positive outlook because mm-hmm. I don't believe in happiness I believe in hopefulness and things being as grand as they can be but I think happiness puts too much of a pressure on us all to have lives that look like magazines yeah. and so I don't believe in trying to find happiness I believe to find a state of sanity that's maintainable and mm-hmm. sustainable um, with moments of yay in that but if you're trying to think that you should be happy all the time that's the big like thing about motherhood or success or anything like that you're supposed to look like wow great yeah yeah and no it's not that's not that's that's only new that's in the last like 20 years that's happened mm-hmm. whereas actually hopefulness and grand grand you can grand most of the time and great days if you'd have a great day once a week I'd say that's not a bad aim I like that yeah that feels achievable, achievable. Achievable Angela Scamble. Every day I was like, what the fuck no. is wrong with people? Delighted. These arrogant pricks. <laughs> <laughs> Ashling, what are you thankful for today? Do you know what I'm thankful for today, Ange? Is my friendship with Angela Scanlon. <laughs> I know that sounds totally wanky, but the more I go through life, I realize there is your family who I love and I do love my family and then your found family. Mm-hmm. And slowly but surely, I'm so thankful for my friendships and the amount of them I have with the quickness. I think all the people I'm friends with, we get into stuff very quickly. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Let's get into it. Why waste time? Let's be vulnerable with each other. Let's open up our hearts. Let's support each other if and when we can. And that um, we both are freelancers who travel around quite a lot and don't often get to see each other. And that's the same with a lot of my friendships. But that when you do, there's no resentment about that. You just get into it while you have the time. You're like, oh, we've half an hour. Let's make this work. Mm -hmm. So I'm really grateful for that today. Oh, I'm also grateful that you came around and did this interview in my house so I can do it in my Mm pyjamas. I did think, though, earlier on when I was coming around, I was like, oh, I had this just a bit of a wave of Mm. sadness. (gasps) Not in relation to you, but actually, you know, it comes and I'm trying to lean into those emotions a bit more rather than just knock it off and be be busy. And my instinct and my habit is, oh, you know what? I'll just cancel because actually Ashing's really busy and she'll probably be thankful of a couple Mm. of hours to find. Mm. And then I thought, no, I'm going to go. And in my mind, I was like, will I go in and will I just put on my, you know, mask head and get on with it? And you were like, how are you? And I said, I'm okay and it was that straight in and it's good do you know what I'm reading loads of uh, things about neuroscience at the moment and both yourself and myself would be into the brain but also our little bit of wizardry and wackadry Mm -hmm. look around (laughs) this you'll find a crystal in every corner of the house yeah but um, one of the things that it talks about is how the brain will always do the laziest option that it's most used to. And I think when we all get sad, the idea to run away and internalize things and hide is the easiest, um, most uh, trained route to do, but not necessarily the best one for you. And to put on your makeup and get out and lean in and talk to a friend, especially if you're feeling low, people always go, oh, you can talk to me if you're low. When you feel low, 
generally you don't want to talk to anyone. Yeah. Even though the thing that would fix it would be talking to someone. Mm-hmm. And we have to get little less lazy about looking after ourselves in those moments. Because yeah. I would have, I often do that as well. I cancel, I pull out of something and I know the other person will understand. Whereas actually sometimes getting through that that moment and opening up and will fix you and energize you in a way and if you're listening in today and are feeling a bit down maybe just try a cup of coffee and if you go for that coffee admit to the person that you're not feeling totally fantastic Mm -hmm. and it it can it can be the thing that saves you so loneliness my tv show that's coming out soon called this way up uh, is kind of a comedy about loneliness in many ways and what I was exploring in it was loneliness. Yeah. Every character, I kind of worked out what their loneliness was. So even if it might not be totally obvious in the TV show, that's where I worked from when I was writing it. And loneliness is one of the biggest scourges. God, I realise I've never said that out loud. <laughs> Scourges? Scourges! <laughs> in our society at the moment. And loneliness has such a negative effect on your body, on, on your biology. And you're more likely to get better after an accident or after be a, a hospital visit if you have a support system around you, a support network around you. Um, there is truth in the reason that some people die after their partner dies because the loneliness has such a detrimental effect on your heart. Um, and physically. Physically. Yeah. And it's because uh, if we were all okay with being on our own, humans wouldn't have survived. Mm-hmm. So we have to We're have, not meant to be. We're not meant own. to be so we can procreate. Mm-hmm. So um, there is a, a physical effect of being lonely that's negative. So it'll force us to come together so as humans will keep reproducing and keep connected and stay safe because obviously in groups there's safety. Um, but because we don't have that risk anymore of being unsafe if we're on our own we often tend to kind of fall into it and the effect of loneliness in all of us is such a big thing and we're giving ourselves a slight dose of a lack of it with Facebook and social media but it's not the same as physical connection and looking into someone's eyes and touch Mm -hmm. and all of those things again are not up in the air they are things that physically have an effect on your body Mm -hmm. eye contact between two humans physically touching each other um, has an effect of serotonin the bonding hormone and it's good for your body when you do that so mm-hmm. actively getting out for a tea instead of just a, a kind of like connection WhatsApp over it. yeah exactly yeah. exactly even though whatsapp at least if you have a voicemail you can at least hear a voice yeah um so it's in some way connected to something mm-hmm. and but those it's better than nothing yeah but but i think we know, we know those preserve those moments yeah and we do know like on mm. in theory we know that but they're the first things to go yeah as well you yeah know? and also I think maybe because of Instagram and Facebook and all mm-hmm. of those things you can see everybody else mm-hmm. doing stuff yeah and, and they're all designed with neuroscience in mm-hmm. mind they're designed to be addictive to give us a feeling like we've done that Get in the, the same hit. way like a vitamin pill is is only to be taken if you're not getting enough from your diet, yeah. but you're supposed to do the diet and actually eat food, not just pop a vitamin cap- capsule. Mm-hmm. And the social media, got to say <laughs> on my mother, you know, no, the, 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 social, the, the, the social media um, <laughs> is like a vitamin pill, but it's not supposed to be taken in uh, instead of actual um, being social with each other. Yeah. There's that now, Angela. That's that. Drop that little philosophy <laughs> bomb on you. I like it. Okay, the thank fuck for this. Oh, yes. So is there a thing mm-hmm. 
that you would be absolutely lost without is there a thing that I'd be absolutely do you know and I hate to give a similar answer again I have a friend who's not really just a friend. She's my soulmate. Her name is Brona C. Titley. Oh, yeah. You have met her. She's an actress and comedy writer, Irish. Brona and I met at university. I was in a nearly all-male sketch group at university. And it was a bit much. It was a bit bloody much. And I lost myself in it and went a bit mad in it. And I remember... And what do you mean? As in it was... Ah, we were all sort of finding ourselves and everything like that, but I couldn't work out. I'd never been around men before. Okay. And I'd always been the funniest person in my school and my class, um, or just like generally was in funny. And suddenly I found myself in this kind of environment where I couldn't put my finger on it, but I sort of felt stupid all of a sudden and not always, I couldn't put my finger on why, like I'd write a sketch and they wouldn't let me do it or, and you know, they we're all going through our own things and they were incredibly talented as well. But I just sort of, lost my confidence or voice in it a little bit I think and I remember I was outside the the theatre thing at university one day and I met this woman who we were both probably about 20, 21 or 22 and um, she was really funny back at me and it was like a game of tennis with comedy and when the sketch group ended I just met her for tea one day and I was like do you want to do like a little character comedy thing with me and she was like okay yeah why not and since then, she's been that little thankful moment where I took her into a place in Dublin and said, do you want to like um, be Try my partner? This. And we've sort of become life partners in a way. I know her wife uh, isn't too happy about that. But listen, <laughs> I was here first, Sue. But thank fuck for me meeting her. Mm-hmm. She has guided me through so much of my life. She's been there in so many ways for career stuff for life stuff she's and just that little moment being, she's a little she? magic being yeah and she has been a big part of even for self-help and guiding me towards the right things or flagging up times when she's like mm, I think you might need to get yourself into therapy and I'm like what no I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine but okay. when she says something I'll normally definitely listen isn't that interesting though the idea that somebody because I think a lot of times you're afraid to you know oh I don't want to be seen to, does that look like I'm judging or and be seen to be telling somebody else yeah. what to do but actually that nudge from somebody looking outwardly and and mm. telling you maybe you're not quite seeing yourself the way everybody else yes. is seeing and that can yeah, be yeah, yeah. for good or for bad and to have someone in your life like that I was saying to to Brona and uh, Sinead my sister recently a, a big thing about being on your own is that you don't have a constant if you're living on your own as well you don't have someone touching in going that's a knobhead move yeah. and it's really good to have people in your life who will call up, call you up on when you're in Abed. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd like to think I work away at it, but Brown will be the sort of person who will call me up and go, hmm, we should have a little look at that. So when does that happen? Um, the knobheadness? My knobheadness, normally when I'm overworked and tired mm-hmm. or when things get carried away or when my life dramatically changes in quite a big way yeah. and I get a bit panicked. Uh, Because it can be a lot like last year I was writing my show in the evenings in New York while doing um, another new TV show I'm in called Living With Yourself, which will be out on Netflix, I think, in the autumn. But I also moved to New York within a sort of week and a half and was filming that in the day and doing the other thing in the night and then trying to keep up stand up at the weekends and stuff. And so sometimes the the little moments that are important to really keep, not necessarily the politeness, but the... um, 
uh, I, I think I'm always I'd like to think I stay polite but I might get a bit more panicked so my emails yeah. can get a bit more emotional okay. um, than they need to be you know or I might just I, do you know what the one big thing so I've been trying to get into meditation the last month yeah. and a lot of it is about responding not reacting yeah so are you am I reacting to something or am I responding and generally when I get tired and panicked I react so I'm like oh my god that's gonna be the worst thing ever rather than going hmm not mad about that let me have a think and then create the right email that'll achieve something rather okay. than going hi guys just read the news about does this mean that the dates aren't going to work yeah. anymore for I can't you do know. this I yeah, thought, yeah you need to know how much I'm not able to cope yes, with all exactly. of this exactly and that yeah. I'm not sure if it's knobheadness or just annoyingly Emotive, not that emotion being emotional is a bad thing, but just a bit reactionary and panicked. Mm-hmm. I think that's that would be my. And is it that you almost hope that people will read you enough to go, she needs a break, rather than you saying, maybe. I need a break? Yeah, maybe it's it's more. I'd be aware sometimes how little energy I've left. Yeah. And if something else takes up a lot of energy, you're like, I don't have, I've only, it's like when, when someone rings or asks you to play a song on your phone and you've only one bar left before you need to charge right. it. And you're like, oh, if we do that, the, the whole phone's going to, uh, you know, die. Yeah. And sometimes, well, when you have a full battery, you're like, yeah, sure, I'll play a song, no big deal, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's that. And I think what I'm trying to do at the moment is make sure I don't get to that stage again. Yeah. So try and nip it in the bud in advance. So how's meditation working out? Uh, yeah, I mean, I always have hated it traditionally. I'm like, oh yeah, so for someone who thinks too much, I'll just go and think more, will I? But what I've really liked has been the Calm app. Yeah. Um, so I downloaded that. The and little bird song. Yeah, bird nice. song. You can probably actually hear real birds in the background here in, in your little garden. But that is not the meditation app. That is real birds, guys. Imagine mm. such a treat. It's good for the soul, isn't it? That's I should make a fortune. I should just, rec- we should go out in the garden, record, record it and there. just sell it for like 79p yeah. a listen. Done. But the calm app has actually helped me sleep a lot. I wasn't sleeping very so well. So what, you put it on to go to sleep or you do There's it There's a sleep the version of it. Ah. And then I was doing the like seven minute kind of touch in with myself. And they say a lot of um, meditation or mindfulness is actually like focus training. And if it is, great because I think I need to help with my focus. I think I I have the ability to multitask mm. and I think that comes from a place where I find it very hard to focus on one thing. So am I really multitasking or am I just focusing on everything and focusing on nothing at the same time? So I think it maybe stops me for a second go and makes me go, come on now, Ashling, just one thing for seven minutes. Yeah. And my therapist said that it actually helps in a scientific way your brain. I find sometimes with things, if someone explains to me the science of it, I can get on board more. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If someone goes, oh, that'll help your prefrontal cortex uh, chill out and mm-hmm. take the pressure off the left hand side of your brain or the right hand side of your brain, the creativity yeah. and, and balance it out. I'm like, OK, I can understand why now. Mm-hmm. That's why I can understand things better sometimes from that point of view rather than being like, it's just about being in touch with your aura, you know. Yeah, but but you also are into that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's the combo is good it's though. the combo. But that's like, just throw everything at it. Yeah, yeah, because nothing's gonna, there's no big one fix for the soul because we're all complex little beings. Yeah. So it's complex little solutions. It's multi-pronged approach. It's like, are you eating well enough? Are you moving during the day? Mm-hmm. But like if you, you can see the people in exercise classes, if you've ever been to such a terrible thing, who are like, We've that's about all it. they do and is run, 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 run. And you can see they're like mad as a brush. And like, mm-hmm. I think you might have been over-focused on one thing. Yeah. Like to have, have some a kind of latte, like, babe. Babe, babe, have a ch- <laughs> and a piece of cake and do a bit of mindfulness with a crystal. 
and take a Saturday off, would you? Yeah. It's stressing me out running around all the time. I know, it's too much. Uh, yeah. Magnesium spray for sleep, because sleep yes. is tricky for you, isn't it? Yeah. Is that so a racing my, head? It's a racing head, and it's also, I think it hasn't helped being a stand-up. You sometimes go on stage at 10, late. so you're winding up for work late, yeah. and then you're winding down late. Being on the computer late, if I have a long day, and I end up doing all the emails and stuff at the end of the day. Okay. Um, I definitely have a scatty brain that goes a bit like that so it's hard to wind it down mm-hmm. I really like CBD oil really helped me for a while and then in Italy um, I just came back last week I was doing a film in Italy for a month and because there's no comedy clubs in Italy so yeah. no surprise um, I wasn't doing stand-up for a month but was that nice break? it wasn't it was actually nice I think people I think looking I in myself like I love doing stand up so it's it's like when pe- some people you know those weirdos who like exercise okay I love doing stand up okay you do need a break and I, break. I think as well part of me was afraid of having a break in case people would be like oh you're not a stand up anymore ah, okay. and once you let go of that you're like oh I'll always be a stand up I love it so mm-hmm. I know I am so what does it matter if other people think I'm not yeah. so a month off was no harm especially to just get my sleep back regulated mm-hmm. sleep has been the biggest um, I think do I have any sanity or don't I? And whether the next day, if you don't sleep, it has such a big knock-on effect for me on my reactions. Yeah. My therapist said to me, if you look at like your head, like a traffic light system, mm. green, amber and red, and you want yeah. to live in green, so if something happens, your little dial will flicker to orange and it'll be a bit like, oh no. But if you're living in amber to red, so in a state of high alert all the time, when anything small happens, suddenly you go, ah! Straight to red. Yeah, straight to red and straight to panic and straight to anxiety. And so again, like I'm saying with nipping it in the bud, I want to try and live in green. So yeah. if things happen, you it would take something quite big to get me to the red stage. And that's where I've... I've definitely been there before where I've lived at that stage. Mm-hmm. What are those alert. things that keep you in the green? A bit of looking at a diary realistically, uh, leaning into the people around you who are there to help you. Mm-hmm. So I'm a freelancer and I have agents and stuff like that. If you're in an office, um, it's your family and your workspace. Are you taking on everything as if you have to be in charge of everything because you're the only one who can do it? Mm-hmm. How much do you actually need? Uh, how much can you practically take on do you have a support network of people and if you feel guilty that you're leaning on them a lot can you ask for something in return that you can do for them sleep and deciding when you're going to switch off at night and leave something until tomorrow even if it feels like oh but I'll sleep better if I do two more hours Mm -hmm. and really clean it up and finish things all of those little things I found trying to take on too much definitely and that can be like emotionally with work with your family, with life. And some things are unavoidable. And to make it like some things like you can't, you can't just sort of go, do you know what? I'm not going to be a mother for a week or two. Mm-hmm. Just going to maybe leave Ruby in a box and see what she does. You Honestly, can't. It's been the hardest I mean, thing. listen, you could back in the day and those were the glory <laughs> well, days of parenting. Am I right? Told. That's what I've done to my kids. I don't know where they are. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
And now we're back from our sponsor, Magnums. Yeah, mm. Magnum. Mm-hmm. Mm. Why not have one today? <laughs> um, okay, the thank you next. Oh, yeah. So chapter in your life that's closed that maybe at the time felt like could have been a job you didn't get or a relationship that didn't work out. Could be something mm. much less dramatic than that. Mm. But something that you thought at the time, this is the worst thing. And actually. Yeah. Do you know what? There was someone I worked with who was quite a bullying presence and I often think of this because it turned out she was kind of bullying uh, someone who I love very much as well and I didn't know about it and she didn't say anything to me at the time and uh, until afterwards and she said we had a good old chat with it after I stopped working with this person we had a good old chat about it kind of maybe a year later and she said to me do you know what we both learned something but we lost something in lesson which is a bit of a pity. So there are times at life that you can, like what doesn't kill you makes it stronger. Yeah. But then there are times when it's like, oh, what doesn't kill you can give you a really bad leg, but you're still alive at the end of it. And yeah. I wish I had a good leg and was alive. That did teach me about being very careful to look for the red flags in terms of people you work with. And when someone constantly makes you feel bad about yourself or like, like you're always the problem. Okay. Uh and I probably should have seen those red flags, but it was also maybe a reflection about how I saw myself, that I was a problem and maybe I didn't like myself a lot at the time. So she was just confirming that. But it was she only was when seeing I seeing re- you yes. as you saw yourself. Yeah. And it was only when I realised she was being mean to a lot of my colleagues and people I was working with at the time that I was more ready to stop working with her because of how she treated them than by how she treated me. I was like, oh, you can be mean to me, but once you're mean to them... Yeah that's a different kettle of fish and in in that situation I don't know if I'd say thank you next I'd be like oh we got over it but next and I won't do that again yeah so there'll be no thank you next in terms of that situation and I do think that there are definitely ways in life you can learn things and you can go oh yeah I definitely learned something but I did feel a little bit sad I felt I lost a little bit of my confidence for a couple of years Mm -hmm. after that situation and I know it definitely dented my pal as well but we've come out the other side of it. And of course, I think you've got, if you've got an inner grit and determination, you'll be grand. Yeah. But um, it did make me warier of who I hopped into bed with in terms of work and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But it definitely knocked my confidence. Because it's hard, isn't it? I suppose you're you're trying to get along with people. You don't yeah. want to be difficult. You, yeah. All of those things. And, and, then, and then you're trying to work out, you want to be told if you are being difficult. Yeah. So it's trying to have the right amount of people around you. Because in this job, it's very weird. You know, like if I'm on an acting job, say I just, I've been acting nonstop for nine months now with mm-hmm. no time off. And on an acting job, you get a camera pointed at you all day long for 12 hours someone dresses you someone puts your makeup on someone brings you your food someone picks um, you up picks you up drops you home uh, when you go to the toilet a runner comes with you and stands outside the door like it's really awful and can kind of send you a bit mad and they say into a microphone she's 10-1 she's 10-1 she's in the toilet we're travelling we're travelling we're travelling we're travelling um, you are brought to sit in a chair you're given a special chair to sit on and you're being looked at all the time and it can be really disconcerting and sometimes you just don't want anyone to look at you for a while and you're a bit like oh go, can never I just don't want to be looked at for just like 10 minutes okay. or I just want to have a little bit of autonomy back but on the other hand you're almost made feel like such a special princess that you can absolutely see why people become dickheads and it's something that I think as you get more successful you do want people around you who go oh do you know what you were a bit of a dickhead there Rain or you didn't say please and thank you enough to that runner who came in or you are no more important than that and I've seen a lot of people in this industry I'm sure you have too 
who've lost that that bit that they should really keep and I don't I think I can see how all of us could lose it but I because also you know if you're a little bit off one day someone go I met Angela Scanlon in real life and she wasn't that nice and you're like no I was just having a bad day Mm -hmm. and it's so annoying that someone might judge you when that day you just didn't want to be looked at and everyone should get their days when they don't want to be looked at Mm -hmm. but um, I can see how without enough people around you who will call you out on it that it could happen Mm. that's where it can be hard because on one hand you're also a very sensitive soul and by you I mean the artistic community and and a lot of people who aren't in the artsy world that you can take it on too much I'm like so afraid of being a dickhead that someone will go you're being one you're like yes yes I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I'm so awful and people can really manipulate that take advantage of that totally take advantage of that and Mm. that's what so much things is happening with the Me Too campaign and everything it's not just about sexism for women it's about how it's an abuse of power and how the people we surround ourselves with or the people we look up to and give the power to employ us or tell us what to do with our careers or our life or produce us um, how much trust do we put into their hands and should we and rightly so because you have to give up trust to people that can make your stuff etc yeah. and then how much could that be abused because we're all such sensitive souls who want to make it big or want to become a star mm-hmm. and um, and how much people can see those open wounds and keep stretching them and it's very hard to tell who is developing you and who is wounding you it's really hard to tell at times yeah which is which. Um, so I know that's a very vague answer for thank you next, but it's one of those things how I would talk about that situation, but wouldn't be like, I'm going to name a name or, yeah, gonna, no, you no, know, no, no. that's a sort of, um, yeah. Yeah, it's a different thing, but it's like, yeah. actually, I feel sad for that. I feel sad version of me. myself yes. that allowed yeah, yeah, it yeah. to happen. I feel sad for me knowing how tough a time I gave myself after it and how long it took me to build my confidence back mm. up. Yeah. After it, never again. Never again you will hope. I be there. Be <laughs> um, beaten around. <laughs> Probably will be like next week. So I'm like, mean, you're a piece of shit. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm here. Thank you, online troll. <laughs> no, I hope. Oh my god, don't get me started. I know. Don't get me started. Um, and we're back after another uh, mm, delicious magnum. <laughs> <laughs> the thanks that got away. The thanks that got away. So what's mm. that? What's, explain that one so to that me. So that could be somebody who you'd never got the opportunity to thank. <gasps> wow. Okay. So we are now, if you look around here, where are we? I'm going to pull out this book mm-hmm. here. It's a long cord. It's a long cord. Fly so hopefully pretty. I can stretch across. Yeah. This mm. is um, a, a book by my art teacher. So when I was uh, young, from the age of five, I was lucky enough to not just go to a normal Catholic school with the nuns, oh, but did do you art classes. No, I did do them, Oh, you did that. Okay. But I also, mommy put us into art classes outside of school. Yeah. Not everyone gets to do outside of school classes. No, they don't. And my teacher was a sort of odd woman called Jill Berry. And Jill... I don't think myself and my sister realised how much we were grieving and working out what it was to be in a single parent family with a death in the family and all that kind of stuff yeah. but we're both How very creative How old were you when your dad died? I was three and my sister was only a baby okay. but 
we're both Sinead's a costume designer now and I'm a, an actor and a comedian and writer and we were both put into these art classes with this very odd short woman who was a professional artist but did these classes and she was really irre- irreverent and she spoke to children like they were adults and her name is Jill Berry and we would go in for an hour and draw whatever the hell we wanted and almost put everything out onto the page and the mess and the paints. And I don't think we, I don't think I realised how in a small town where there weren't that many creative outlets for kids, she explored the part of our brain that was the right side, that was the creative side and got us drawing and writing and scribbling. And, And even the way she spoke to us was like, so right what we're going to do now is we're going to do the naked body kids and so we'd be like okay Jill let's draw it's like boobs don't look like that and we'd be like okay Jill and in a really like open creative way like she was a sort of oddity in the town but an amazing woman who like smoked loads of fags and just again brought out creativity in like these just like little Kildare town kids and and spoke on a level and spoke on a level and I did art classes with her until I was 18 and I thought at one point maybe I'd go to art school, but I wasn't good enough to be an artist. Mm-hmm. I just loved it. And um, but it's still the the, the create looking at things creatively and painting and drawing definitely helped everything else. Mm-hmm. And she um, when was it? God, it was probably about seven years ago now. Got a brain tumor and collapsed and died. And after that, I became very good friends with her dad. And I wrote a sort of eulogy for her funeral. And I don't think he had seen the side of her that was the teacher. Mm-hmm. And so we sort of connected with me knowing Jill as a daughter then and him knowing her as this kind of like little, you know, smoking 30 fags speaking to kids yeah. like they were her adults and peers. And she, um, so this is her, like her friend put together a book of all of her art. Mm-hmm. And so I know this is a really weird thing to do um, <laughs> over a podcast to, sh- to talk about something visual, but her, her pieces and oh, I've wow. got two of her paintings in the house that her dad gave me. And, and are these all her sculptures? These are all her sculptures and everything. Yes. Wow. And maybe when this podcast comes out, I'll post a few little pictures. Yeah, we can like put idea. up a few of them. Um, but she, and I don't think I ever, I remember at one point, Maybe two years before she died, I was home from drama school and I found drama school in London really tough work. And I just went for a walk and walked like a few miles and ended up at her house. And I sat in and almost had a chat with her as uh, an adult, which I'd never done before. But like maybe I was 24 or something. Mm-hmm. And... Um, she started kind of like bitching to me about all the, some of the kids in the class who she hadn't liked. And I was loving it. It was so funny. And I knew how much she loved me. And we had a great old chat. And I think that was the last time I saw her because I, w- I didn't get back to Ireland much. Mm. But I would like to, and I suppose in many ways, my thanks is maybe chatting to her dad when and if I can and when I get home. And my mother's now very good friends with him, Sean Berry, right. uh, Captain Sean Berry in Kildare, if there's anyone at home there listening to him. But um, yeah, I never got to thank her for really making my brain work in a weirder, different way that and wasn't also, ma- maybe necessarily the way we did it in the town. You and know? making you aware that that art in whatever form yeah, was a valid was thing a valid to pursue. Life or yeah. Pers- yeah, pursuit and, and a different type of lifestyle. She lived on her own in a cottage in and on the outskirts of the town did these beautiful odd drawings I'd yeah. never seen anything the likes of loads of faces loads of eyes some of these I like I so it's I have one of her paintings well, upstairs quite mystical 
quite odd mm. um, lots of horses and kind of like inspired by Africa she lived in Africa for, for quite a while as a kid and yeah and I just um, oh, so she'd nice be the one. the thanks that got away I think mm. uh, that I never got to thank her but I don't I don't think I knew that I would need to but looking back and you sort of piece together yourself mm-hmm. uh, that would be one of those things that did have a big big old effect on me okay the big thanks the big thanks. The big, I mean, the big one. Big shout out to my fans, man. Big <laughs> shout out to my fans. Well, I mean, so Jesus this, Christ, that are my fans. Yeah. <laughs> so this could be like the a person, could mm-hmm. be a characteristic that you have. It could be an yeah, event. Yeah, I'd like to thank myself actually could, in this. <laughs> no, but you know that you're like, yeah, yeah, actually yeah. my grit has, you know, yeah. could be yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be whatever. The, the thing maybe that you are most profoundly grateful for. I would say, obviously to my mother, I know that's the most boring answer one can do. No. My mother's uh, brought us up on her own. And the one thing I'll say about my mother, which I love, she loves so openly uh, and without snobbishness. So she is a, a retired jockey mm-hmm. and went on to work in the horse racing industry for pretty much her whole life and and was working at race, which was a, a race trainee centre and now works with like injured jockeys and stuff like that. But that and in that generation was like... Yeah, a big deal for yeah, a lady as massive. well. But she also like is... Um, helps a lot of kind of jockeys retiring to what what will they do next okay. and that sort of stuff and um she loves them like her kids like she loves her little jockeys so much and there's something about her where she will welcome absolutely anybody into the house to the point where she's loved nearly all of my ex-boyfriends more than maybe even me and so when like there's a breakup she's like what did you do why did you push him away like there's never any ah, he wasn't worth it he's like he was lovely she loves everyone and she really loves so incredibly openly and I'd like to think I've loads of people in my life who I really love and I'm very lucky at that and I love very quickly um, and that can be to my detriment and very deeply I think deeply and openly and that can be an absolute shocker of a wound in any way that gets rejected or ends but it doesn't stop me bouncing back from a breakup or a love or anything like that into the next one and um, I think that's my mother like my dad's death didn't stop her loving or or trusting people or even loving him she just openly loves and I don't you know when you think about the characteristics of yourself you're like oh I got carried away with that or oh I spoke too much about there blah 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 it's a one bit of myself I wouldn't change even though it probably causes more hurt but you know that sort of old adage of like better to have loved and lost and never to have loved at all mm-hmm. like oh I've lost so much <laughs> <laughs> and it's like ouch and every time you're like oh this old fucker back again but it hasn't stopped me bouncing back mm-hmm. and I and I definitely get that from Mammy and I, I see a lot I see a lot of people and some people who get so hurt or insular or would be wary of people or taking more people into their life yeah and like it'll take up too much time or they don't have enough space left or there's only a certain amount of seats on the, fear, the love train. Fear, yeah. And I I think I love fearlessly because of Mammy. Mm-hmm. She loves very fearlessly and, and would always assume, A, someone's going to love her and that she'll definitely love them back. An assumption that you're going to like this person, which I, I generally have. Mm-hmm. I rarely assume I'm not going to like someone. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm sometimes shocked if I don't. It's rare I'd ever not like a woman as well. I rarely, I'm, if I don't like a woman, I'm like, no, I'll have to work on that. I'm very sexist. I love all women, even the, even the dickheads. Um, so yeah, I think that, that, that quality from Mammy, I definitely love. 
So that's the the ability to kind of love deeply, oh, deeply and, oh, and from her. And I yeah. thank her for that because mm. it's you. You, I didn't learn learn. She's never said that. I just know that's what Observe she does. It. And she, yeah, she, you, you observe it and you take it in. Yeah. So it's definitely a nurture thing rather than, a, well, but it's probably nature as well, mm-hmm. but it's definitely a nurture. And that's what we grew up watching and seeing her do. Yeah, which could have been very much, you touched on the, the opposite after Yeah, after that you would death, close that, down that or go, of, don't, yeah, but actually it's the opposite. Yeah. It's, yeah, definitely. And you mentioned the word fearless, like fearless about, about loving, I suppose. Mm. I kind of feel you're quite fearless. I don't know if I'd be fearless. Mm, I don't Not think so. Not just in regard to love, but like... Do you know what I'm very fearful of? Myself. And that I get in my own way. Or that I'll ruin something for myself. Okay. Or I'll sabotage something for myself. So I don't believe that other people are out to get me. I don't believe when I go on stage that the audience want to have a bad time by me being crap. Yeah. I, I believe the trolls who get in touch on Twitter are having a bad day. And they Themselves. need to act out. And I've, I'm a cartoon that day. And that's what they need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally I believe that people are on board and want the best I do believe I'll get in my own way though and sometimes I don't like myself and I'll be like I'm going to derail things for her she feels real confident today doesn't she well I'm going to look at myself in a mirror on the tube lighting and feel like I'm really ugly today so when I get there no matter how much effort I put into my hair and clothing I'm going to feel really ugly and I've done that to me no one else has said it and so that's when I get fearful I'm I'm scared sometimes I'll go to do a gig and on the way there I'll question whether I'm funny (laughs) and I'll get out on stage and the audience will be like yeah we really love you and I'm like well uh, you could have told me that half an hour ago when I was with myself so I'm I'm definitely fearful of myself and getting my own way and that's why I'm trying to do a lot of work on that because it's Mm -hmm. like what a boring way to live but in terms of like I think maybe I'm I'm fearful of things but just not of the things a lot of people are so I'm not scared of crowds I've never been shy Mm -hmm. And I, I forget that other people aren't. You're not shy either. It could kind of drop you in anywhere. You yeah. know that in yeah. generally you're not and yeah. I'm not. Um, uh, and I know that that paralyzes some people. The fear of groups or talking mm-hmm. in public and all that kind of stuff. And I'm lucky to have those things. But then there are other ways. Uh, some people don't care what other people think. And I definitely care what people think. And I wish I didn't. Mm. Um, Do you though? Yeah, there'd be, there'd be a certain amount and I think it comes from maybe not wanting to be not liked Yeah, okay. Um, and assuming I've done something to cause that mm. and that's affirming okay. them then like a, a lack of uh, liking myself, I suppose. Okay. So those would be my fears. I know they're not always grounded in anything, but those mm-hmm. are, those would come but out. Most certain... fears aren't grounded in anything. Oh right? no! Except like sharks or yeah. war, <laughs> and you're like, ah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Or climate change. Yeah, de- In fact, why aren't we more scared of climate yeah. change, guys? We should be shitting ourselves. But here we are, chilled as you like, <laughs> and there won't be a, a, a world for Ruby to live in. <laughs> You know, Ruby will be you, like, well, I don't listening know. to this podcast I in the middle feel, of her war shelter. But I do feel like there's a collective consciousness thing. Now, yeah, I but don't we're not get scared. We're like, better do this, lads. But we're yeah. more scared of like, oh, does someone on Twitter like me? Or like, oh, get out no. to put down your phone and go and campaign for a greenhouse emissions, Ashling. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that'd be. So I, I know what you mean. But from the outside, I think it's important to flag up that everyone is a complex person and yeah. there are definitely bits where I'm fearless and then there are definitely bits where you're like that scares the shit out of me mm. and to but I feel like that you might walk exist. towards that yeah I think I do I think mm. something usurps it it's probably ego mm. some kind of like 
loving the thing usurps it and gets in the way, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, this is a bit of a trivial one. Mm-hmm. The gift you're most thankful for. Physical gift? You tell me. Oh, Angela Bates. I mean, I did love talent. me oat milk coffee today. Oh, well. I did love it. Thanks for my... And Angela also brought me a lovely bit of cake. Mm-hmm. Lovely bit of cake, nice, Angela. What thing have I been given that's really handy? My mother always talks about a dust buster. I remember one year I'd had a bad year and there was this gift for Christmas and it was this box and I thought, bringing us back to porcelain dolls, I thought, oh, mammy has gone and got me some kind of doll that's like, and it was my first year of university, that's, um, she's really done something thoughtful Mm -hmm. and unique and it's in that box and I'm going to open it up after the dessert bit of the Christmas dinner and I'm going to see that she really, she sees me. It's not about, I wanted my mother to see me and see my inner pain because I'm 21 and I'm writing poems and la la la. And instead, I opened it up and it was a dust buster from Lidl. And as soon as I hadn't even opened, she's like, that only costs seven euro 99. And I was so insulted that she thought who I was, was a dust buster. And you know what? I had that dustbuster for 11 years and it was the handiest little thing to have around the house. What is a dustbuster? A dustbuster is a mini Hoover, handheld oh, yeah. Hoover. Oh, I hear you. For seven quid. That's for seven, and I have to say, it lasted for so long, that dustbuster. I think I only even sent it to the recycling plant about a year or two ago. Um, and that was just a really handy gift. Oh, yeah, so a handy gift. <laughs> And, you know, she did know me better than I knew myself, you know. You spill something on the carpet. Are you really going to take out a whole Hoover to deal with it? No. Get the dust buster out. Totally handy. What would I, the fuck have I done with a, a porcelain doll at the time? Seen. You didn't Seen. even know what was coming. Didn't even know. She knew me better than I myself. You know, I developed in that woman's womb. Mm-hmm. And it was only later on as I was, you know... Hoovering up the tiny little Rice Krispies on the carpet that I thought, yeah, okay, okay, you've won this one, mother. So, yeah, maybe the, the dust buster. <laughs> good. Yeah. As good a gift as any. Yeah. Oh, can I tell you a nice little gift I got recently, Please actually? Please do. Is it a piece so of jewellery? So this, this ring on my up yours finger yeah, here. go on. So my sister got married about two months ago, Sinead, friend of Angela as well. Yeah. And this ring, she gave one of these to Mammy, one for herself and one to me. And it is my father's wedding ring that she got melted down and made into three rings and in each ring there's three little strands and it's the three of us all banded together. I know it's very emotionally manipulative, oh, isn't it? Cry. I know, that's what she wanted us to do. And I was like, well, Sinead, yeah, fine, but you know. And did you copy still come to my gigs? Um, yeah, I, I think I dropped a tear. No, no, I didn't actually because I realised I hadn't gotten her anything for the wedding. And I was a bit like, God, this puts a lot of pressure on me now because I have nothing. Oh, I try and root around the fridge, try and find a banana that looked like something. I don't know. Um, that's but yes, beautiful. that is a gorgeous. So that's a lovely. So one for Mammy, one for me. And it's about the three of us always being together. So isn't that a nice little thing? But again, wasn't that a sneaky sort of emotional present? Mm. So sneaky. Yeah. That tiny little dancer. Also, you're like, I could have fucking done that. Yeah. But you know what? I will repay her when I sing Elton John's Tiny Dancer at her funeral. And I'll get her oh, back we'll then. Be forgiven. Yeah. I'll wear this ring to her funeral. Mm-hmm. Sinead. <laughs> Take her one off. Yeah. I never see Take the point. Take her one off at the funeral. I'll be pulling out her teeth, pulling out her hair, selling it for wigs. There won't be anything left unused in that child. You know, in Dairy Girls where they go in and try to take the earrings off your woman yeah, in the coffin. Yeah, yeah. One of my favourite moments. I had a scene in a script with Sharon actually before that we wrote where we were, um, oh, there's a doorbell. That's oh, hey, Nish Kumar. Oh, hi, Nish. Come on in. Yeah. Let me just, um, we, can, we can wrap this up with a bit of Nish Kumar. Okay, let's do that. So here we are opening the front door to Ashling's house. 
And we're opening the door to Angela oh. Scanlon. Oh, hello, it's not. Hello, how are you? Bye bye. <laughs> It was a delivery man. Can we just tell you, myself and Angela just opened the door to what I thought was Nish Kumar, my friend, stand-up comedian, coming round for tea. And it was Two actually a postman delivering. We looked like we were in through the keyhole or something like that. Oh we were trying God. to like go, go on, you gotta or like a dad's doorstep challenge from the wrong that way round. funny. Oh. I think he was amused by it. What is in it? That is some just vitamins. Oh, vitamins. my vitamins ah, earlier vitamins. Um, so yeah. Oh, that was a bit anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's Nishka. It's really not. It's not. It's a postman. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for Angela, having me around. My it was cake a and my coffee and my chats. Can we have a? I really enjoyed hug? it. I'll give Come you one little dough, fun little hug. Oh, <laughs> lovely! <laughs> I got my big, big, huge, fat thank you to Ashling B. You should definitely binge her sitcom This Way Up, which is on all four or Hulu if you're an American listener and she'll be starring in a new Netflix show with Paul Rudd if this has sparked some ideas about what you're thankful for this week please drop them to me at hashtag thanksamilpod or at Angela Scanlon on all the usual platforms and if this is your first taste of Thanks A Million then subscribe via Apple Podcast, Spotify or on your Google Home or Alexa retro device it's really easy and it's free which most things aren't and if you're loving the show please write us a review on Apple Podcasts it's boring but really helpful so spread the word thanks again to Ashling, to my producer Matt Hill at Rethink Audio and to you for listening thanks a million planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands plus Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365 day returns